Welcome to Practical Access. I am Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, what's our topic uh, in this episode? Well, you know, it's a question that, that I think it could be answered in a thousand ways, but how it was framed was how do you adjust or what do you put on your child or student's IEP as they get older? Uh, and I thought my first thought was, well, at a certain age, there is no IEP. So that's the first point I wanted to make is that poof, it's gone. Um, so I'm really big on gradual release. That'll be kind of my opening word or thought. What are you thinking? Well, I think I'm, I, I mean, I definitely agree. And I think what you're describing there and what you're talking about there is this idea of, of you know, um, kind of giving this, this, the child, him or herself, more power and control over it and starting to um, take charge, basically, and, and start expressing what their, their future might be. So I think, you know, when we think about an IEP for kids who are getting older, you're exactly right. I mean, the IEP won't be around. So if students don't learn, we've used the term a million times to self-advocate and to take charge, um, of their own life, then they're going to be left really um, in a bind when they when they get out of school and don't have a clear path. So I, I guess I think of the IEP as kids get older as you know the path planning. And so for some kids that might be an academic path, and they might it might be very heavy academics. And for other kids, it might be career based, job based, um, independent living based, just depending on the actual functioning level of the individual. So I, I, I see a lot of IEPs that don't change that much over time. And I know I have to keep academics at the forefront on IEPs, but I think we need to be looking at some of those other really practical pieces of that document and, and helping kids understand what it really means for their future. Yeah, you know, and I always like to really emphasize that it's a plan, but it's actually a program, you know, and if you think of a program, uh, and I'll, I'll go to one of my fallbacks, uh, happen to know a little bit about gymnastics, having lived with a gymnast my whole entire life, you know, you don't start by doing roundup back handsprings and double backs on the floor, but you start with standing on your toes and standing on your hands and doing cartwheels. And I think too many times we think of the IEP each year as just one more thing we're doing instead of one more thing the student not only should be able to do by themselves, but it should be graduated. And at some point you might say, you know what, I don't want to do the rings because my shoulders hurt. I just, I just want to do the floor exercise. Again, I'm giving you an analogy. And I think too many times for kids with disabilities, we forget that when there's a real gap there, sometimes it's just never going to be filled. And, you know, I still today laugh that you know, spelling is just never going to happen for my child, and it's okay. Siri is a beautiful invention. Spell check is a beautiful invention. So do we continue to write those goals all the way through high school to work on spelling, or do we start to say, can the student create a document that's spelling error-free? And that's what I think IEP goals should do, is they should gradually build skills, but they also should gradually acknowledge technology and ways to deal with deficits. And I think we often have a deficit-based IEP for too long, instead of really starting to remediate those deficits as kids start to be independent, whatever that might mean and whatever age that might be. And, you know, we've talked both personally and, and on podcasts about things like spelling, and I think that's a great example 
um, a really good clear example. If we scale that back just a little bit to just communication in general, because for some kids, um, writing isn't going to be a, 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 an important part of their future um, because they may be working just on communicating, just communicating in any way. And so if you think of the idea of, you know, again, that gradual piece, we, we do tend to set goals sometimes that are the, you know, we, we don't look at the supporting um, sub goals there. So we don't, we don't look at things like we expect somebody to be able to go and get a job, but are we sure that they know how to even enter into a conversation? You know, do they know how to, to put words together um, in, in reciprocally, you know, in the conversation? So do you think it's a good time to fine tune those IEPs and to do that task analysis and really break things down a little bit more clearly if they're not already written in the IEP that way? And I know, Lisa, when I was a, a secondary teacher, and I'm sure this happened to you, you know, I, I would sometimes, I would get an IEP that it was kind of clear had just been passed along, to be honest. <laughs> you mean in you know, high school? <laughs> Yeah, so, trying to cross the street with 90% accuracy. You're like, really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just passed along, passed along. And I really, you know, kind of implore our colleagues to check and look critically at these IEPs and ask yourself, is this really, is there a practical piece to this? You know, is there something, you know, that's going to help a student long term um, lifelong in that IP? And again, I realize there's been such an emphasis on academic-based IEP goals. But I think, you know, when we know that communication and problem are the biggest employability skills for kids with disabilities, um, I, think, I think we need to, to go back and look a little more thoroughly and make sure that some of those types of things are in there. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you from both a parent and a teacher perspective for a moment. I, I think, Becky, one of the things I, I think we don't do well is letting kids read their plans. It's their plan, not ours, you know, and for them to say, I really don't know that I'll ever multiply, but I really understand multiplication, or I don't know that I'll ever, you know, be able to write a five-paragraph essay, but I can talk a five-paragraph essay. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things I think we often wait too late for, and I think you and I both have had this experience. Um, we find people want to Velcro adults to kids. And, you know, my, my thing is, you know, yeah, early intervention is important and we know it works. That's where Velcroing should happen. But even then we have to be careful. One of my favorite districts has a rule of one to four. They only give a one to one eight if it's life, life and death. Uh, because again, the minute that adult injures that kid's life, that gradual release becomes harder. And so I think there's two things there. I think as kids move up to grade level, they should be clear and clear on what's on their plan, not our plan. And there should be less and less adults delivering the things in their plan and the student having more and more independence. And I, I think if you can get, meet those two goals, you see higher employability. Uh, you and I both have had the privilege of working with lots of college students with disabilities. And can you imagine them bringing a paraprofessional to class with them? <laughs> First of all, not only do right. they not, they truly don't need them because they're like, are you kidding me? I have found a way to advocate almost to the point that sometimes you and I fear um, as great advocates of special ed that, you know, these people know their rights and they know what they need. That's where we've got to go. But I don't think that can happen if in kindergarten and high school, we see the same, same IEP. Well, we, we know that hovering 
in general um, has has been uh, something that paraprofessionals have done with the very right desire to yeah. help support kids, and especially in the absence of better understanding how to support kids, but definitely starting to scaffold away from the hovering part of it for sure, even if we need that person in the room um, for support, you know, as needed. But that, I think that's a, a, a really good point. And I want to, in kind of a different direction, relevant to things that are happening now, um, I, I would encourage parents to think about um, even instructional delivery types for their child. Start really thinking about how does my child learn these academics best? Is it online? Is it in a in a because uh, you know for a long time you know our our virtual school here has been huge and growing for years now. And there are parents here who will put you know math and language arts, for example in the IEP that their child will take those classes fully online with support from the you know school because they are entitled to support, but they will take those content courses fully online. They will have access to that content 24 seven. So that's actually been happening in, in some cases for parents who knew about different virtual options for a long time. Whether or not parents are fans of the virtual learning piece, I do think we're really specific now to see how our child does respond to that type of learning. And if this was something during this COVID shutdown that you felt like your child was successful with, I would look at ways to write it in. I wouldn't want my child necessarily going only virtual. I certainly want the social emotional part of school as well. If it was something that was successful with my child, I'd be looking critically at maybe which courses I might want to, to request and, and um, how that's going to look in the IEP in the future. Yeah, and I, I'm going to, my last slide here, I think you did a great job of mentioning hovering, and I think that's true for parents. I think that's true for special ed teachers. And I'm even going to make a plea to our general ed teachers who sometimes think, oh, well, I have a kid with this disability. I really need to help them. What we really need to do is help have them learn to help themselves. And that's kind of been our mantra throughout. But I also think that IEP should be a launch pad. As you said so well, you know, maybe I do want, again, an online degree for my associate's degree because I do learn better in that environment. Or maybe I never want to take an online class because I'm a train wreck. And I'm right. sitting in front of the professor, reading their lips and looking at their face and reading their emotions. And I think that's what that plan should get is to catapult us into both not just college, but a career path, you know, do I really want to be in somewhere that's really social because that is my strength? Or uh, do I want to be behind a desk writing and doing things because humans are really not my favorite per you know, place to be? But I think that's what we should be thinking about is as children move up into that young adult, that IEP should be a launch pad for where they need to go next. Well said. Thank you. All right. Well, so Becky, I know we're going to try to take a little break this summer and be moms and relax ourselves. And so um, I think we have two more podcasts and I think we're going to end our last one with kind of things to kick you off for back to school. But if I'm correct, we're going to then launch the fall off by highlighting various types of disabilities. Is that what we're still thinking? Yeah, I think, I think it's a good time to take a deep dive into, you know, what are the, what are, what are the strategies for use with different types of kids I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to talk about in that area, um, especially considering, again, all of the changes in our system and what, what methods are we hanging on to and have any new ones emerged. 
Well, and I think we're planning on some guest experience, guest ex, uh, guest experience episodes, something along that line, uh, <laughs> as as we move into the fall, so that we have lots of people representing those different topics too. So. Uh, get ready for season three. We have a couple of episodes to wrap up the season. And thanks for joining us today on Practical Access. You can send us a tweet at Access Practical.